Hey guys, it's Maya and I just wanted to jump on here and promote my takes Instagram really quick because we're doing a lot of fun things. I'm doing more posts, more stories, and I also have to say I've started a new series called The Bottom Shelf and it's video reviews, IGTV video reviews, and I think they're super fun and they're all on the Instagram. So go follow my take on social media and specifically on Instagram at underscore my take. Maya back again, guys. I have one more update for y'all. My Take now has a Patreon. I'm trying to expand the My Take community and also expand my earnings a little bit by creating a Patreon. We have three tiers, and in the top tier, we're actually starting a My Take book club. So anybody who joins, we're going to be reading a book together a month, and there's going to be monthly live streams and Discord benefits. So I'd really, really, really appreciate it if you could go check it out. The link is in the show notes. So as excited as I was to get this book and read this book, I'm not very excited about this episode. It is a book that I saw blowing up on Booksta, so it's kind of a Booksta made me do it. And I saw it in this cute little indie bookstore that I was in while I was on a trip to Monterey. I took a girl's trip with a couple of my friends and so I saw the book and I was like, I have to get it. It is It Happened One Summer by Tessa Bailey and the book follows Hollywood It Girl Piper as she like falls from grace and gets shipped off to this tiny Pacific Northwest town. She was actually born in this town and lived in this town for the first four years of her life but then like doesn't remember any of it because obviously she was only four years old doesn't remember any of it but gets shipped back off and when she gets there she meets fishing captain brendan tagger and sparks fly and like boy do sparks fly because this book was very 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 steamy i do have to shout out annie my friend annie i've mentioned her a bunch on this podcast and she's been a guest on this podcast she is the one that left like a glowing review of this book and I put it on my, like, I have a special TBR that's just, like, books that Annie has recommended. So I read this book because of her. Go give her a follow on Instagram. Her at is the enamored bibliophile, and I love her so much. But I am kind of nervous to talk about this book because Annie and so many others on Bookstab have given it glowing reviews, and I have some kind of very controversial opinions about it. So we'll see how this goes. Books, TV, music, and movies. All things that make a big impact on everyone. I'm constantly gushing about my latest read to anyone who will listen, so I figured I'd turn my rambling into something coherent that people will actually listen to, which means no tuning out halfway through. I'm Maya Ghosh, and this is my take. going to start with a little bit on the writing but I'm actually going to take a pause and kind of I feel like the writing is one of the big things about the book and that's why I always start with the writing but even bigger than the writing is the author and I do actually have to talk about Tessa Bailey for a little bit because in her author picture I thought that she was either black or mixed race or at least a woman of color because the way her hair is and how dark and tan her face is, I assumed based off of that that she was a woman of color. Like I have the book sitting right next to me and I'm looking at this picture and just like I would have, that is what I would have guessed and it actually took 
some very serious Instagram stalking for me to find an old picture of her, one of her wedding pictures that she posted on Instagram where she's very clearly white in that picture, for me to finally be like, oh, okay, so she's, like, white, white. And I kind of had guessed, I was, that this is part of why I was confused is because we've seen this beautiful shift in romance for more characters of color to be coming out with Sajni Patel writing South Indian or South Indian, South Asian representation. She's Indian representation with um, the author of The Henna Wars, and she came out with a new book that I haven't read, but her doing Bengali representation. And we have Frankly in Love and David Yoon writing Asian representation and Nicola Yoon writing African-American representation. We have all the authors that collaborated on Blackout, which is a book that I need to read. I own it, and I'm so excited to read it. They all collaborated to, again, in romance, share black representation, We've got so many different amazing things happening in romance with diversity of all kinds. I could do an entire podcast episode on the amazing shifts that romance has taken, but that is why I was confused because I was like, this isn't like a situation where, like, take Jenny Han, for example, and again, she's doing amazing things with Asian representation in romance with To All the Boys. However, her first trilogy was all white characters. And her first trilogy came out a lot earlier than To All the Boys. Obviously, it was her first trilogy, but it was released in 2009. The first book in that trilogy was released in 2009, The Summer I Turned Pretty. So right kind of before this shift with romance was happening. And so I would understand why an author would feel the need to whitewash their characters or whitewash their book, to bre- especially to break out onto the publishing scene. Tessa Bailey's not breaking out onto the publishing scene. She's written plenty of books and we're not in that place anymore. So that was why I was confused. And then, you know, did all this Instagram stalking. And so I am not in a place to fully have a conversation about this. You know, I am a woman of color, but I'm not black. And I, I just, like I said, I'm not fully in a place to like have a conversation about this and be an informed opinion on this it was just something I noticed and something I wanted to talk about and bring up is we've seen this more and more with especially white women wanting to be super tan and posting pictures that where they almost look like women of color or do look like women of color because of how tan they have gotten themselves or how they edit the picture to look super tan and it's like not okay that they're doing that and so I just wanted to bring that up before I even touch on the writing because I don't know. It's such a loved book, but in all the reviews that I've read and all the things I've seen, nobody's talked about that. So I just wanted to bring it up and to even like ask if anybody that's read it has thought of that or if this is a thing with Tessa Bailey that I just don't know because I've never read any of her books or whatever, but it struck me as a very big deal. So I had to mention it in my review of this book. But now that I've mentioned it and struggled to kind of find my way around it and talk about this and try to be an informed opinion even when I'm not an informed opinion we're moving on to the writing and the writing was kind of what killed the book for me bookstagram's gonna hate me bookstagram I have a lot of controversial opinions for bookstagram like I love bookstagram but I feel like sometimes I don't entirely fit with the bookstagram like general opinion but yeah I didn't like the writing don't get me wrong like the book was steamy and I had a like interesting time reading it but it felt very like 
hockey player romance to me which is not a bad thing but the reviews that I had been seeing on bookstagram led me to believe it wasn't like one of those books so then when it turned out to be like one of those books I was like well I wouldn't have bought it had I known that I would have bought a different book because when I did buy this book actually I was struggling so hard I was like oh my god what book do I buy because I wanted like six different books from this store and I only ended up buying three and this was one of them and I was like well had I known this I would have picked a different one but it's just like every time Brendan is with the guys the only thing they talk about is like dicks and pussy and like the differences between men and women and there's all of those gross early 2000s things about like he's so strong and I'm so soft and like the differences in our bodies and like the differences in our demeanors and Brendan's super strong and she's super just chill and like it just it comes with very trashy rom-coms the like very stereotypical gender norms that we're reinforcing with those things and if that's what you want like it's not necessarily fine because you're still like okay if I've read and loved plenty of books where I'm like I just need a trashy romance to read and it's super fun and that's fine it's just like when you're touting it out as one of this like amazing everybody should read it books when it's doing things like reinforcing stereotypical gender roles maybe not the best idea but the way it was hyped up on books I think is what's getting me because I thought it would be better than this even though it wasn't like I thought we'd move past men strong women weak kind of thing but I guess we haven't and then there was the smut and the smut was very 50 shades like so steamy and almost got excessive and I'm somebody that likes steam like wallbanger and bee treat are like my perfect levels of steam in a book um and for those of you who don't know those books are very steamy but this one got excessive and I was reading this in the like same hotel room and same car as my friends while we were on this Monterey trip shout out Marissa and Chloe if y'all are listening to this they're totally not listening to this so they'll never know but I was like so embarrassed and I was kind of like telling them I was like oh my god like I this is so weird that I'm reading this like just in the car next to you guys because I can't like it was just so weird and like too much and like I've read smut in a classroom before and been fine but this book was like too excessive and I felt like they just kind of threw sex scenes and to throw sex scenes and like sex scenes have a purpose in romance novels every sex scene has a purpose it furthers plot it is it's a device it literally is a device if you are doing friends to lovers let's say once the characters have sex that is it that is the point in their relationship where they're saying we have enough faith in us working out as a couple that we are not going to hang back and stay in this like place where we're not fully committing to our relationship but not fully backing off and being friends they're saying no we're committing to this and we have faith that we are going to work out as a couple and like screw our friendship because our friendship was not as amazing as this like relationship that we built is right if you have marriage of convenience or you know arranged marriage or something it's this final point where people are saying we really actually do love each other and we have built this relationship that is this amazing thing so sex scenes have a purpose and yes one or two in a romance novel do have a purpose and you can throw in one just to throw in one to be fun or whatever but with this it felt excessive and it felt like everything with them was sex for some reason I just it felt like once they started they didn't stop and I'm like I get that they're in their honeymoon phase 
but you as a writer pick the things that you want them to be doing and you don't just have to pick this every time and like I just didn't like Tessa Bailey smut either like I didn't like the dirty talk I really didn't like the ass stuff because like why 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 like she just like the first time I read it I was so confused I was like why is she just sticking her finger in his ass like what is going on with this why are we doing this and then he just eats her ass out and I was like but 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 I didn't sign up to read that I was like I didn't want to read that I don't like that go away why are we doing this like no and if that's your thing that's totally fine but I was like I felt attacked having to read that in a book I was like ah no I don't like this and then in the dressing room this is the one that gave me most Fifty Shades vibes because if you've read or seen Fifty Shades the elevator scene right there's multiple elevator scenes but like the elevator scene when they're in the elevator with all the people and they're standing in the back and he's fingering her when Brendan and Piper go shopping and he's fingering her while she's wearing jeans that she's trying on that aren't even hers in a dressing room why why like why does that have to be there why does that have to exist it just like not my brand of sweat at all like I didn't like it and speaking of things I didn't like the characters were so cliche and don't get me wrong I love a cliche but I'm definitely over like the Brendan and Piper kind of cliches like of course Brendan lost his wife seven years ago but he still wears his ring and he's stuck in routines and won't ever do anything else besides his routine but as soon as he does something outside of his routine like try the pot pie he insists on like doing it properly or whatever and like eating the entire fucking pot pie and I hate the like he never really felt the way he felt about Piper about his wife and I think I'll touch on that a little bit later but it's like I hated that part of the cliche too and like Piper's just total airhead Barbie to the extreme and it's just like you could have actually made her a character with a little bit of depth in the beginning and been like she has to fight through these expectations of her and like somebody that is likes to party but she actually does have some skills and is actually a person with deep thoughts but she just really like committed to the airhead Barbie routine and I was like I don't really like that either so I didn't like the writing don't like Tessa Bailey looking like a woman of color in her author picture don't like the character that the characters are cliche and I think recently I recorded an episode where I said that I might have broken a my take record for the longest talking about a writing section there was but this one definitely did because it's like 14 minutes for me I'm sure it'll be a little shorter for you guys because editing but it's like 14 and a half minutes for me right now and I'm just now moving into the plot so this totally is a record but we're starting the plot, and of course, as soon as they meet, Brennan's like, shit, she's attractive, but shit, she's annoying. And then they keep running into each other. I did actually like the little bit of the beginning when, like, they ran into each other at the grocery store. Like, the banter was super cute, and Brendan helps her get food to cook for Hannah. And then, of course, you know, Piper has to light the cleaning rag on fire while cooking, rushes out of the room into the street, and Brendan swoops in and saves the day, which I didn't like how, like... I don't know, Brendan just sometimes rubbed me the wrong way with how, like, authoritarian and rude sometimes and, like, standoffish and cold he was. Like, I don't know. He just, like, when he was, like, swooping in to save the day and he was, like, barking orders at people, I was like, yeah, but also no, you know? And then, like I said, he has to eat the whole pot pie 
and then he comes over to fix things because of course he comes over to fix things because that's the kind of thing that this is and like had I not had so many other problems with this book I would have died for like the him coming over and fixing things thing because I do love a good like southern rom-com drama kind of show like Heart of Dixie and Sweet Magnolias are two of my favorite shows love those shows and like I would have died but because I didn't like Brendan I was like this is just cliche and it's also cliche because Piper's in her like skimpy pajamas and then tries to like cover herself up with a pillow instead of getting like a t-shirt or a robe or something like so dumb and then continuing on with the dumb things Brendan gets Instagram and follows just Piper and is, like, in love with all of her skimpy pics and then gets overwhelmed that she's out of his league. And I thought this was going to come up as an insecurity more and more, but it didn't. And so it kind of left me feeling unsatisfied a little bit in the fact that, like, not that I like that. Like, I hate when people get in their heads and are so insecure and are like, oh, my God, I, we can't be together for this, like, stupid, insane reason. But... I would have appreciated had she committed to the bit because of how different they were, but she didn't. She kind of just brought it up once and then, like, let it be and never let it happen again. So I was a little annoyed that, like, we brought this up, never did it. But while Piper, or not Piper, while Brendan is on his, like, one of the first fishing trips that he goes on, we see that Piper is learning to put down roots. She meets Brendan's ex, ex-father-in-law, Mick, who was best friends with her dad, and she meets Opal, her grandmother, and she meets Abe, the handyman, and she starts walking him to the hardware store every morning so he can, like, sit outside and stuff, and she goes to the memorial for her dad, and so, like, Piper is learning to put down roots, which, like, yay for Piper, but then, like, see, these are the things where I was like, why? Because she shows up to Desiree's memorial with a tray of shots and immediately runs out, and I was like, you don't have to have her be that airhead of a Barbie person I'm sure she talked to somebody like Opal or somebody around town about going to this memorial and somebody would have warned her or going to this like what she thought was a party and somebody would have warned her that it was a memorial you know but of course Brendan goes after her and takes his ring off and it's very convenient like I was saying earlier that he was never truly in love with his wife because again we're moving to this place where romance novels become more than romance novels at times in things like love lettering where we explore anxiety and dealing with a city and dealing with stress at work and that's probably not a great example but regretting you we see romance threading through grief and loss and coming to terms with that and in the romance book club where we see romance threading through so many different things working through a marriage and toxic masculinity and the situations like we've seen with coming out with the me too movement with undercover romance so romance is moving into a place where we're exploring different things too because romance is spans everything right like you're just because you're in a relationship doesn't mean shitty things stop happening to you just because you're in a relationship doesn't mean you're not affected by the current climate of the world just because you're in a relationship doesn't mean you're not affected by toxic masculinity and it just could have been such a good moment to have Brendan explore this grief and to have him explore what it actually means to be moving on from somebody you loved so dearly and what it actually means to continue your life and still honor Desiree and love Desiree but move on and be happy again with somebody else but it was just like 
oh yeah I felt stuck and I never felt the way I felt about you about her so like we're good let's move on it was very like surface level and shallow almost and I was not happy about it and then Brendan like there's so many things that happen he helps with the renovations and lets Piper post a picture of Instagram just to make her smile and then finally asks her out and Piper's like trying really hard to make this a casual thing between the two of them so he's just kind of going along with it that's the other thing is it's like he just is like oh I'm just gonna go along with this but there's no way it's casual and I'm like you're not respecting her wishes like there's one thing to say like oh yeah it's nice that he wants to actually show her that he wants a future with her but when he's just like outright not respecting her like when we see with the label and they talk about like in the hospital room or something later on he just totally takes control of that situation and won't let her like have an opinion and I'm like no like she's allowed to have an opinion this is a two-way thing just because you have this faith and this belief that it will work out doesn't mean you just get to impose that on her you should let her come to that on her own so that you're both actually happy and she doesn't feel like you forced her into this thing that she didn't have a choice into so asks her out and cooks for her and buys her champagne and it's like really steamy when they're getting each other off and then of course he leaves her a spare key for when he's gone which is way too fast but he does so she spends the night there during the typhoon because she's a fucking idiot and then of course has to rush to the hospital thinking he was hurt and I thought this was foreshadowing because I thought that eventually he was going to actually end up in the hospital but he doesn't so I was a little disappointed that I wasn't right about that but we get to the hospital and the first time they have sex is in an empty hospital room when his truck is maybe 30 feet away why why do we have to do this like especially because they were like oh my god we kissed and now we can't stop and it's like that's not sexy I thought we've moved past this like consent is ongoing and revocable and you're adults and should learn to keep it in your pants and control yourselves until you're in an appropriate situation and setting because in an empty hospital room that might be needed by somebody that might get walked in on somebody you know there's just so many things that could happen in this hospital room but instead of thinking about that and like going to his car literally go to his car and drive like to an empty spot you're in like a tiny ass town like drive to a fucking field somewhere park the car and then do it or something it's just so dumb and I don't understand it and I'm like no 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 like just because you kiss doesn't mean you can't stop like you can as I said consent is ongoing and revocable and not that like one of them would revoke consent but like my point is you should be able to stop at any point and it shouldn't be an issue but they're like oh my god we can't stop like like I hate that when people are like like this happens in 50 shades and he's like you need to go to bed and so like we can't keep kissing like this because then I'm not gonna be able to stop and I'm like no you you are gonna be able to stop because that's how consent works so yeah didn't like that one didn't like that he took control of labeling their relationship didn't like that he's all your mind because people are not objects people are not possessions you can't just label somebody like that like I don't like that possessiveness and then because we have to keep going down the cliche route Piper gets wasted with Opal and Brendan is there to like knight in shining armor her and she has to like compliment the sex as soon as the music cuts out so everybody in the town knows and then the next day Brendan takes her on the Delray 
So they actually talk and decide that they're in a relationship, and I kind of appreciated them talking. But then we get straight into, like, the him taking nudes of Piper and sex with the finger in his ass, and then we go straight on the road trip to Seattle with the shopping trip that I didn't like, and it's been literally, like, two weeks or some shit, and they love, love each other now, and they admit it because Brendan keeps pushing her to talk, which, like, yes and also no because I appreciate that he wants to have conversations, but I don't appreciate that he's, like, so pushy sometimes about talking because you don't need to be that pushy. That's not how it works. But then we get back and for some reason Piper and Hannah have to move in with Brendan, which is so fucking dumb because if Hannah was, like, 16, I would get it, but Hannah's, like, 26. And so you just, you don't need to do that like that's so dumb and uncalled for and I get that you might not want to leave your sister but like maybe try actually having a conversation with your sister about what she needs and wants from you and then assess your living situation and don't just like have your sister move in with you like why would Hannah want to do that either because like clearly she's probably going to hear them every night like why would you no 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 but then Brendan finds out that Piper got invited back to LA and he won't listen to her when she says she's staying because of course he won't listen to her because he's pigheaded and annoying and he's like well show up at the docks tomorrow and I'll know you're staying so of course Abe has to fall so Piper doesn't get to the docks in time and then she does and she's like breaking down and I hated everybody at the docks because they were like you need to be stronger they go out all the time and I'm like fuck you you don't know the situation why don't you ask her if she's okay and ask her what's going on instead of just being like you're not strong enough to be one of us like had that happened earlier on in the book I would have been like yeah but you've done so much work to tell me that Piper is putting down roots and now the entire town is like girl you're not strong enough like that's so dumb so then the bad luck continues for Piper because she thinks that no one comes to the reopening so she goes to LA and then Brendan shows up and like the bar is popping and everybody's there so Hannah tells Brendan that she went back to LA so Brendan surprises her and it's all good and they like get all of her shit from LA and officially move in together and the little last bits are setting up for Hannah and Fox's story which like I love the bromance book club and I love the way the bromance book club is handling this but, like, handling the series of standalones with the characters all interconnected. I just think that sometimes, like, the best friend and the sister is just a little too close. Like, that's the thing about bromance, especially with Bromance Book Club and Undercover Bromance, is Undercover Bromance, yes, it was Thea's sister, but Gavin and Mac were not super close. Like, they were kind of enemies a little bit, so it wasn't like they had spent so much time together and it wasn't like they had spent so much time together before in the first book like Mac and Thea or Mac and Liv had one interaction before undercover bromance whereas with this it's been set up the entire book that they're going to be together and I didn't really appreciate that like I didn't need to know throughout the entire book that the plan was to get them together so to wrap up this episode I had a time reading it reading this book I can't tell if it was a good time or a bad time, but it was a time. I kind of understand why this book was very hyped on Bookstagram, but it wasn't my favorite. I don't think I'm going to be reading the Hannah and Fox book when it comes out because 
I have better books to read and I didn't like this one so why would I read the second one there was just so much that I struggled with as you can tell if you got to the end of this like I had a lot of complaints about this book and if you liked it like good for you I'm glad you liked it it wasn't my cup of tea doesn't mean it wasn't your cup of tea like I said Annie's one of my best friends from bookstagram and she loves and adores this book and is probably gonna kill me when this review comes out but it's fine because it wasn't my cup of tea and this is my take not Annie's take and not bookstagram's take mine so I could say whatever the hell I want and I think that's all I have to say so yeah I've been Maya Ghosh, and this has been my take on It Happened One Summer by Tessa Bailey. Thanks for listening. So we're kind of a one-woman show here at My Take, so the credits are not going to be very long. This podcast is produced and edited um, by me. I do all of my own social media. The only person I really have to thank is one of my great friends, Paris, who did the music that is in the intro and that you're listening to now. So thank you, Paris, and thank you all for listening. You can reach me at underscore my take on Twitter and Instagram. And please leave a rate or review wherever you listen to this podcast. That helps a ton. So yeah, thanks for listening.